this episode of the Narrow Path podcast this week, uh, as we're right in the middle of uh, Mental Health Awareness Week 2020. Uh, it's an opportunity to share uh, some articles uh, around mental health and faith. Uh, in particular, I'm looking at Mind and Soul Foundation, uh, who are a foundation that help to educate uh, by sharing the best of Christian theology and scientific advances uh, to equip us to helping people meet with God from emotional distress and also to encourage us by engaging with the local church and mental health services. Their main leadership team uh, is made up of psychologists, priests and psychiatrists and they've developed some high quality integrated resources and they bring a powerful message that both are important. it can leave us afraid we might break what we're carrying or feeling like we can't carry on. So what is overwhelm? Well, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. The brain triggers an alert that it's got too much to deal with in any one moment. Now your brain's capacity isn't limitless, whether that's attention capacity, how many things you can juggle or focus on at the same time. Cognitive capacity, how much you can problem solve, decide or analyse at once. Or emotional capacity, how much difficult stuff you can process while still carrying on relatively normally. Or just plain energy, your brain gets tired just like your body does. So just like you can't keep exercising non-stop, your brain too needs to stop and rest. Even your brain needs a break sometimes. So going under, so as well as the practical limits to how much you can hold in your head, all the things going on around you make demands on your brain and that triggers your physiological stress system because you need to respond. Life doesn't have to be distressing to be stressful. Sometimes when you're juggling lots or you're very busy, it raises your baseline stress level as your brain coordinates all the things you need to keep your mind on. We can think of the level in our physiological stress system as like a water level in a pool. So when the baseline is around our ankles, everything's fine. The little challenges of everyday life are like waves. If the water level is low, a wave isn't a problem. But we've all got a limit water gets up to our neck, when stress levels get high, we start to feel at the edge of ourselves. You might notice physical symptoms like palpitations, your breathing gets faster, you get headaches, your thinking changes as your brain starts to try to get you to move yourself to somewhere quieter and less demanding so you don't go under. You might notice thoughts like, I need to get out of here or I can't cope with this as a result. And your experience of emotions change too. Emotions like anger or anxiety operate on the same physiological system. If you remember the, the famous fight or flight description, so if your baseline is low, your emotions feel relatively stable, but the higher your stress level, the more near to the surface your emotions are. 
emotions feel and are more easily triggered. So you might find yourself reacting disproportionately to little things or to having to deal with yourself with much more emotion than usual. So hijack, so when you come close to overwhelm, several things happen. Your brain seeks to resolve the situation and calm things down a bit. Firstly, it tries to get you to change your circumstances to reduce the demand, so you'll start to find highly stimulating situations much more difficult than usual to bear, so rooms full of noise or busy or difficult complex conversations, even perfectly reasonable demands from people you love, all these things might just feel too much as you just crave peace and escape. Secondly, and importantly, as your brain is more under pressure, it has to change the way it makes decisions and processes two systems in your brain, a slow analytical processing system that uses your rational problem solving brain, and a fast instinctive system which uses your emotional brain. The fast system makes much less demand than your brain, so if your head is already full, use this one much more, but it takes shortcuts and makes assumptions to save demand. So when you're using these symptoms, you're more likely to fall back on old habits and patterns which can be unhelpful, and then trigger difficult the other important impact of switching to the fast system is your rational thinking brain is turned right down. So your capacity to analyse rationally and problem solve decreases dramatically. In practice this means when things start to feel very simple and binary, black or white. Which makes decisions easier but also has some unfortunate consequences. So when we're in this pattern of thinking, it feels like they're either good or bad, success or failure, hero or villain natural bias towards the negative means they more often feel like the worst option than the good. Of course it isn't that simple and things are really are rarely therefore as bad as they feel. The combination of all this means that when we hear overwhelm things can feel very negative and like there are no solutions or options except to skip. It's important to remember that feeling like this is a symptom of overwhelm not reality. The likelihood is when you can find a calmer space and thinking brain and kick back in things will feel less so what are the causes of overwhelm of course everyone's unique and some something one person finds overwhelm might not bother anyone at all but here's some classic causes together with tips on how to deal with them simple the more stuff you're trying to figure out keep going or holding your head the more demand on your brain think about when you go to the supermarket to get a list of things and you haven't written them down you have to keep reciting them to keep yourself to keep an interactive memory when life gets busy it's a bit like that but on a much bigger scale and it's surprisingly stressful this is why writing things down can help get things out of your head and allows your mind to relax a little if thoughts wake you up at the moment Try keeping a notepad by your bed so you can write down things you need to remember or simply get out of your head. Or proactively, before you go to bed, try to brainstorm things you need to do or remember the next day that may help your mind to switch off. Change. One course of overwhelm we often overlook is change. Routine and rhythm tell your mind what to expect. It's calming. 
and is a surprising source of learning of our sense of security and normality. Anything that causes change triggers stress and negative emotion as your brain tries to alert you to the change, and direct attention capacity towards processing what this means. In times like we're in now, change is everywhere. Many of us have lost all of our normal routine. This is totally dis- disorientating at brain level and surprisingly stressful even when it means we have less to do than normal. This is why inputting routine and trying to stick to normal things where possible can help. So you might not need to get up at a particular time anymore or get dressed or work at certain hours or sat hours or whatever it is, but it will help your brain if you implement a predictable routine and stick to it. Your own thoughts. Here's one for the extroverts and external thinkers. Some people in particular struggle to process their thinking in their own headspace. They have a genuine need to bounce things off other people and make those thoughts external as part of the way they think things. Same people often thrive on stimulation and socialisation to get their drive and motivation. Personality theory would say that baseline level in the brain is low, so they love to get external triggers to push them into the best zone. You, this is a particularly tough time, as you may well have lost your naturally stimulating hybrid spaces. But you don't have to just accept it, see where you can create connection, buzz, and brainstorm. Make good use of tools like Zoom and try to form routine where you do have regular connection. You can even start a podcast. Lack of headspace. Meanwhile, some others might be expected to be thriving in this time of isolation. Introverts classically enjoy their own headspace and thrive from quiet and time alone to process. They may indeed be much more at home with the concept of alone time and more able to fill it with reflection and activities they can continue on their own. But spare a thought for those living in spaces which have suddenly become very busy, kids not in school, spouses not in work, housemates all sharing the same space and locked out together. This can feel like an inescapable prison for used to escaping road thoughts. Introverts have a much higher baseline activation in their minds so need a lot less stimulation. And being in situations where it's hard to find headspace and alone time can be very stressful and quickly feel overwhelming. If this is you, try to find spaces you can get boundary time. Is there a room or space in your house you can turn into your own den where you can escape and not be interrupted? Even telling the family you need some time in that space where they you can go out for your daily exercise do and use the time to retreat into your mind don't feel guilty about needing this it's the way you're wired and you will support others better with this time to recharge and finally the information barrage one major source of overwhelm we're all exposed to is this potential for constant negative or anxiety provoking information having the news on continually or reading all these things on facebook all this may feel like way to manage anxiety but actually it's very triggering for your mind requiring it to constantly process analyze and manage difficult information try to limit how and when you access these spaces limit news exposure to set times of the day listen just to the weekly briefings or a set news program once a day so you know you're up to date but not constantly exposed and be careful around the use of social media again Set boundaries about when and how you use it and check in. Remember that news stories and those that circulate on social media are not always true. And even when they're self-selected, the more 
post-traumatic or anxiety-provoking stories to give you a biased perspective on any situation. Help yourself by not allowing it to dictate your day. We're going to listen to a short recording from Kate Middleton herself that's on Mind and Soul Foundation's YouTube channel. You can catch up with everything on their social media accounts and on their YouTube. There's plenty of videos for you to watch and listen to as well there. Feeling overwhelmed? Yeah, me too. There's a lot going on at the moment, isn't there? And you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, Jesus gives some great advice about how to manage challenging times like these. And I want to share with you something that he said about how to deal with worries and anxieties and pressures like the ones that we're dealing with right now. And it's from Matthew's Gospel. It's chapter 6, verse 34. And this is from the Passion Translation, which puts it like this. Jesus said, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. One day at a time. That's such good advice. And Jesus actually uses a word here that's translated into the English as worry, but it's a Greek word that has a much more complex, beautiful meaning. It's an evocative word, and it means those moments when our mind is divided by our worries, by so many things that we've got on our mind that could literally pull us apart as we try and focus on each one, manage each one, deal with each one. We become divided, torn apart in pieces because of all the worries that we're carrying and Jesus says that this is what can happen if we let our mind go beyond the worries of today beyond even the present moment that if we start to think too far into the future in difficult times we can become pulled apart torn to pieces by the worries that we carry and I love the way that this translation says we should refuse to worry like that So many of the other translations just say, do not worry. This says, refuse to worry. Because I don't know about you, but I'm finding it requires that really deliberate, intentional stopping yourself when you find your mind going to the places of worrying about things that may or may not happen in the future. Having to stop yourself and think, no, refuse to worry beyond the things that I'm facing right now. Take each day as it comes, one day at a time. It's such good advice. And you know, this same Greek word is used in another famous passage that talks about worry. And it's Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7. It's not Jesus this time. It's a guy called Paul who was one of the early teachers in the New Testament. And it says this. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout the day, offering your request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. And Paul goes on to talk about how if we can do this, then a peace that's beyond our human understanding is something that we can experience, we can tap into, something beyond ourselves that helps us manage those worries of the everyday moment, that gives us a way to get through when our human senses are overwhelmed by all the stuff that's going on. It's such a great way of putting it, isn't it? Tell God every detail of your life. 
We spend so much time trying to be strong, trying to hold everything, trying to keep our worries to ourselves. But what if we were to do that, take a moment just to share with God, pour it out to him, tell him everything that's on your mind right now. Let yourself be vulnerable before God. And and what if something of doing that enabled you to tap into this peace that's beyond your human understanding? Why don't you take a moment just to do that right now? God's big enough to take the things that you're worried about. Tell him every detail of your life. And then you can get back to doing what you need to do, taking one day at a time, dealing with the challenges of each present moment. And remembering every time you need to, just to pause and tell God the stuff that's worrying you so that you can keep doing that one day at a time. So through the lockdown and the feelings of isolation that it's brought, it may be difficult to actually see a way through all the chaos and uncertainty. So here's Kate Middleton with uh, a bit more advice on how to see our way through all of that. So it's the end of another week in lockdown and a week which I know many people have found difficult. So if that's you then, I'm thinking of you today. I'm aware that after the announcements that were made a week ago, thinking about how we're going to move into this new season of adjustment, this time when we're trying to balance the ongoing risk of COVID-19 with the, the need for us to get back to something resembling normal working life and activity. There's been a level of uncertainty and confusion that has been hard for many people. I'm also aware that the adjustments that have have been being made this week have placed additional pressure on people in particular contexts like healthcare and schools because they're having to try and balance this risk with the push to get back to something resembling normal and I know that's been hard. For lots of people as well, I think this has just been a time of realising we are not going to get back to anything resembling our old normal life anytime soon. And some of the things that we take for granted or used to take for granted are going to stay out of reach for many of us for a while. Things like sending your kids to school, being able to return to some jobs and workplaces. For some people who are shielding, even things like just leaving the house, being able to see friends, being able to do the basics of normal life. So how do we find a way through a long season like this of crisis and confusion? particularly in unpredictable times like these are likely to be. And how do we do that as individuals, but also how do we do that supporting the other people around us, whether we're leaders or parents or just friends and loved ones trying to do this with other people around us. And I want to share to you in this moment a story that's from the Old Testament, which I think has some really interesting parallels with this season we find ourselves in right now. And it's a story from the life of David told in 1 Samuel 30. So you might want to go and look it up after I'm done chatting, or if you want to pause, go and get it and come back, feel free. And in this moment, David, he's this guy who has prayed over and it's predicted that David will become king. But it's awkward because there is already a king at the time. It's just that God's favour isn't on him. And Saul, the current king, is not at all happy at David being anointed as king. 
as you might expect. And, and he starts to persecute David and it gets so bad that David is driven into isolation as a result. He has to leave everything that he's known, his family, the spaces and the people that he loves. He has to go into this new space, this new season, this difficult time in his life. He has to, you might say, find a new normal, a way of doing this extended time that isn't what he would long to be able to do. And in the midst of this, 1 Samuel 30 tells the story of a crisis moment for David when he's been away fighting and he and his men come back to the camp to find disaster. The camp has been raided, it's been burned, raised to the ground and the women and children have been captured and taken away. And David finds himself in this moment that's full of a lot of the same emotions that we are experiencing and holding right now. Loss and grief, anxiety and frustration and tension and frustration. And that anger boils over. And in this case, actually, his men very nearly turn on him in their anguish in this moment at what's happened. And in the middle of the time that we're in now, I think there's three things we can learn from David's story told in this book of the Old Testament. And I want to share them with you now. So number one, in verse three, David is hit, he and his men, in this moment by a wall of loss and grief. And as the leader in that context, he might, you would think, feel under pressure to stay strong and silent, showing that superhuman leadership power and strength and resolve, not letting his emotions get the better of him, but leading strongly and confidently in this difficult time. Actually, he does exactly the opposite. He leads by example in a moment of expression with his men of this loss and grief that is powerful and intense. In fact, the Hebrew says that he and his men literally wail until they have no strength left to wail anymore. It's a deliberate, intentional, outpouring expression of the awfulness of this moment. And David's right in the middle of it. Did you know it's good to acknowledge the feelings that you have? That's so important, both in terms of our emotional health, but also our relationship with God. You know, God is not daunted by what you're feeling or experiencing in this moment. He's not cross with you. He doesn't see it as a weakness. He's not disappointed. He's not surprised. He hears everything that you're going through. He sees the difficulties that you're faced with, and he longs to hold them to help you in what you're going through. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Praise the Lord who carries our burdens day after day. When we share our grief and anguish with God, we let him in. We allow him to share what we're holding to carry it with us so he can help. I wonder what that would look like for you today as an individual, as a child of God, your father who loves you, but also as a leader or a parent or a friend. What would it mean to model this with the other people around you, to share these moments where we're honest and real, both with ourselves, with the people who we do life with, but also with God who loves us so much? Number two, 
The story next tells us that David finds strength from God. Now, this is exciting because I don't know about you, but I definitely need some extra strength in this season. One of the reasons it's been so hard is that many of us, if we're honest, are we're at the limits of our energy right now. We've already been doing this for six, seven, eight weeks. We're exhausted. The thought of doing it for another six, seven, eight weeks, that's really tough. And what's interesting in this story is that David clearly seeks God, but what he asks for first is strength. So he seeks strength from God before he asks for anything else. The obvious things like what on earth should he do next? He asks God for strength before solutions. And what that means, because God gives him what he's asked for, is that David is able to be courageous while he's still clueless. Now this is really encouraging to us because we're in a season where we don't know what the future will bring. We don't know what the answers are. We don't even know what some of the questions are going to be in the coming weeks and months. One of the frustrations and difficulties people have found in this last week is is what feels like a lack of clarity and answers. But this is a very uncertain time. It's difficult. And it's good to know that we can seek God and ask for strength first. as as a priority before we have to start thinking about how on earth we're going to manage whatever the coming days and weeks bring us and present us with, we can turn to God and he will give us the strength that we need to face it. Psalm 18.32 says, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Whatever is coming, we can turn to God and he will give us the thing we need most of all, that courage, that inner resolve, the energy that comes from somewhere beyond our human ability. I wonder what it means to you right now to turn to God and ask him for that, not ask him for solution, not worry about the problem solving, but just say, God, I need strength. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to face it. What might that look like for you? Now, the final point I want to ponder is what happens next. And in the story, God does then, David does then ask, what should I do? And God says, yes, go after these guys, fight them. You will get back your women and children. And that's what happens. They are able to retrieve their loved ones, but also they get a good deal of other things. The um, New Living Translation describes it as plunder. I think that's like riches and gold and probably sheep and stuff because it's the Old Testament. Good things anyway. But the final point that I want to ponder is that in this moment, it's David goes with some of his men, but not all of his men go with him on this stage of the battle, this next battle in their journey, because some of them are not in the right place in that moment to respond to that present crisis. In fact, the story tells us that 400 of his men go, but 200 are too exhausted. Literally, the Hebrew means that they're, they're faint, they're literally spent. They've used their energy on the battle they already fought and and the story tells us that they wouldn't even get over the first hurdle in trying to go with him on this latest challenge They, they couldn't even cross the first river they would come to and I love the way in this story that it's acknowledged the difference amongst us the differences amongst his team not all of them are able to respond or give more in this moment and, and that's very true to us in this moment too. This is a time when different people find themselves in very different circumstances. They find that they've been affected in different ways. Some of us are very, very tired. 
Some of us have been hit harder by this than other people. Some of us are going to find facing the battles of the next season harder than others, need more help, need more support. And what's lovely is in this story, when they get back with the plunder, with the, the good stuff, when the crisis is over, some of the men who went say that the ones who didn't go shouldn't be able to share in the good things in that moment because they weren't part of fighting for it. But David says strongly and clearly, no, they are all equal. And depending on your translation, effectively what he says is those who stay behind, they are, they're due the same, they get the same as those who went to fight. I love that moment of declaring unity and equality in spite of difference. There's no judgment. There's no value attached to one group more than others. Nobody is seen as more or less useful than the others or stronger or weaker or cleverer or anything like that. It's just about acceptance and equal value. Do you know that's how God sees you? Maybe you're struggling in this season with feeling like you haven't been able to do much or as much as other people. Maybe you feel like you haven't done anything. You've not brought anything really to this situation. You've not been able to help anyone or change anything. Maybe you've been trying to do that in your role or in volunteering, but you've not been able to. You've been so aware of your limitations in this moment, the the limits to your ability to have the impact you would dearly love to do. You've not been able to reach out how you'd want to, to change things that you want to be able to change, make things happen that you want to be able to make happen. It's so frustrating. But know that in this season, that doesn't define you and it doesn't affect your value. Let's end, in fact, on that point with a final prayer. It's such a good thing to hold in our minds as we go back to the rest of our day, the way that God sees us that can be so different to how we see ourselves. So, Lord God, we celebrate in this moment that whoever we are, all of us gathered in this one place in this moment, in our differences, you still see us all as equal. We are all equally loved, equally valuable, equally accepted, equally important in your kingdom and in your eyes. And we declare in this moment that we are all connected in spirit and in love, whatever our circumstances. We choose to see equality, similarity and value in all people. Lord God, make us compassionate to those whose situations are different to our own. Give us grace in how we respond in this season, in moments where other people might see difference and respond with judgment. May we we model and spread kindness and compassion in all our conversations today and for the rest of this week with other people, but also with ourselves. So just pray blessings on everybody who is listening to this in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. for checking out this bonus episode this week during mental health awareness week if you want to read any more of their articles you can go to mindandsoul.org and also you can check out mhfa's website or the nhs website if you need any more advice and help 